Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, we're working through it pretty much a chapter at a time. Um, in some cases, we'll take uh, half a chapter or we'll do two or three. But uh, today, we're going to work on one chapter. Um, this is part of our 20-year study. We're eight and a half years in, so we've done great. And um, we've worked through the entire New Testament. And we've done Genesis. We've done Exodus. Now we're doing Leviticus. And today, we're in Leviticus 23. Let me tell you that Leviticus 23, if you were um, uh, a Hebrew uh, back in this point in time, you know, as they started putting the Scripture together for them and everything was happening, if there was one chapter of Scripture that you knew, it was Leviticus 23. For, for them to live their life the way they needed to, they needed to know Leviticus 23. Because in Leviticus 23, it lists the seven feasts, and they, need to, they needed to follow atonement, the Day of Atonement, or they got ousted. And this chapter told them when it was going to happen every year. And they knew by some things that happened in, uh, in uh, nature around them when things happened and bloomed and planted and blossomed and all sorts of those stuff. They knew how to hit that first one, and from there they could find their way to the Day of Atonement. So it was very important that they got that right. And so they would have known... Leviticus 23, because it's a record of these seven feasts that we're going to talk about today. And it's a fascinating revelation of the heart of God for His people and, and for their salvation. And, and, you know, God's purpose in creating us was to be in relationship with Him. Remember, we chose to go our own way, and that caused a huge problem. Sin separated us from uh, a perfect and holy God. And, and yet, salvation happens again in Jesus. Jesus came and paid the price so that in Him we can be reconciled to God. And these seven feasts that the children of Israel were to follow every year were a prophetic picture of what was going to happen when Jesus came, when the Messiah came. And it was so intense, really, that, that because they celebrated it every year, they should clearly have been able to see when Jesus came that he was hitting these things perfectly down to the day and the date and the time and the hour. And, uh, and, and so it's, a, it's a, an amazing, amazing chapter of Scripture. So these seven feasts that we're going to read um, were something that they were to observe every year faithfully. These were, these were observances that they were called to follow and celebrate. And they're all listed here in Leviticus 23. So let me read it to you, and then we're going to talk about those seven feasts, and we're going to do all that in about 25 minutes. Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, or the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You're not to do any work. Whether, wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. Sabbath was an every week deal, right? Okay. Verse 4. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days, you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present an offering made to the Lord by fire. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, 
when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you uh, reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a, yam, a lamb a year old without defect. Together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flowers baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. Present this Present with this bread seven male lambs, each a year old and without defect, one young bull and two rams. They will be a burnt offering to the Lord, together with their grain offering and drink offerings, an offering made by fire and aroma pleasing to the Lord. Then sacrifice one male goat for a sin offering and two lambs, each a year old, for a fellowship offering. The priest is to wave the two lambs before the Lord as a wave offering, together with the bread of, first, of the first fruits. They're a sac sacred offering to the Lord for the priest. On that same day... You're to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you're to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work. But present an offering made to the Lord by fire. The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of this seven month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do, do no work on that day because it's the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall, not, you shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It is a Sabbath of rest for you and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you are to observe your Sabbath. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, say to the Israelites, on the fifteenth day of the seventh month the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly, do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. So beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you've gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days, and the first day is a day of rest, and the eighth day also is a day of rest. On the first day, you're to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches and poplars, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. 
Celebrate this as a festival for the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in booths. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelite the appointed feast of the Lord. Blessed be the word of the Lord. And that doesn't really need any explanation at all. Okay, so, um, Passover is where all this starts. And the celebration of Passover took place um, in, in Jesus' time for him that year, right before the crucifixion and resurrection. And so, they're in intertwined on purpose. And, and um, there's a connection between crucifixion, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and these feasts that we just looked at and what's to come. There's a connection that wraps through all seven that we should be aware of. And so the seven feasts of Israel are Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Atonement, Tabernacles. Those are the seven, all right? And they're all listed for us there in Leviticus 23. So I'm going to pick them up, and I'm going to um, give you some other verses. If you're taking notes, write them down, um, and I will read them to you, but uh, you may not be able to get there in time with your Bibles, but you can look them up later that will make these connections for you. So let's start with Passover, Leviticus 23, 5. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. Remember, Passover is the celebration that we've been studying, or it was the observance when um, the children of Israel were to take a lamb and, and without defect, and they were to they were to you know bring that lamb into their house for a little while, so they got to know it, and then that lamb was killed, and the blood was put over the doorpost, and the the angel of death passed over the firstborn of Israel. All right, so it begins every year they would celebrate that on the twilight of the fourteenth day of the first month, Exodus twelve five through seven. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Now, let's connect it with Jesus. Matthew 26, 27 and 28. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And also in John 1, 29, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So prophetically, what happens is on the exact date in time when Passover is supposed to happen and this lamb is to be sacrificed and the blood was to be put on the doorpost happens at the crucifixion. It happens to the day when it was going to be celebrated, what was happening. You can read the events. You see what's happening. Jesus completely and perfectly, perfectly, perfectly. It's a new way of saying it with emphasis. <laughs> it's just a different syllable. That's all that matters there. <sighs> I'm trying to cover now. So Passover was fulfilled perfectly by Jesus at the cross, all right? The next thing happened at the same time, and that was on leavened bread. Leviticus 23, on the 15th day of the month, 14th evening, 15th, 
of that month, the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread without yeast. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new bread batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Remember Jesus said, I am the bread, right? So, so we have Jesus now hitting that one as well. His body broken was a picture of um, what was taking place in this whole thing with unleavened bread. First fruits is the next one. And this happens the next day. Leviticus 23, 10 and 11. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord. So it will be September half. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. So you have all these things happening with the same thing. All right. So what happens at that point in time, we know that happens is that, that first fruit celebration is resurrection, right? Jesus has died. He's buried, resurrected, which hits perfectly this little first fruit thing that happens. And Paul talks about it. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 24. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father as after he has destroyed all dominion, destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. So, um, hitting again exactly when a feast was to be celebrated we, we, uh, we've already hit Jesus has hit perfectly um, uh, Passover unleavened bread and now first fruits with his resurrection um, first fruits was the first small harvest celebration in the land so there there would be throughout the years three sort of harvest times that happened the first one in certain sort of crops would come in and so this first harvest it was a harvest but it was a very small harvest that happened right on this day. That's what they were celebrating when, and we just read that. Well, so now think about what happens um, what we know happened with Jesus. When, when Jesus was resurrected um, there was a little harvest that happens with him. A lot of people forget this little harvest. I want to read it to you. It's Matthew 27 51 through 53. At that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. It doesn't get talked about all that much but that happened and it happened right then and that's the first fruit offering that came with Jesus. Alright? So it, 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 they, they've been celebrating these things forever. Jesus is now perfectly fulfilling them in, in, it's really amazing stuff, all right? So, so Jesus perfectly fulfills Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. And all those events back that up. The next feast out of the seven is Pentecost. And Pentecost happens 50 days later. That's how it gets a name, Leviticus 23, 15, and 16. From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, first fruits, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. 
So this was another harvest that happened seven weeks and a day later. Fifty days later, they were to celebrate another harvest. And this was a bigger harvest than the first harvest, but it wasn't as big as the harvest that happens after the summer. But it was another harvest nonetheless. Well, you know, there's another harvest that happens at Pentecost, right? Acts 2.41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost exactly on the day that that feast is supposed to be fulfilled. The first three were fulfilled. Jesus comes, right, and then does the first three perfectly. The Holy Spirit comes 50 days later, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What happens? There's a big harvest because 3,000... and that's, that's men, women, and children came along with them and aren't counted in the number back then. So it was, a, it was a decent sort of start to the church. It was the next kind of offering to be celebrated and happened perfectly and prophetically in accordance with these feasts that were being celebrated. So that's what's taking place. Now, those four of the seven have been fulfilled prophetically. They're done. They, they've happened. And... There's three left that haven't happened yet, um, which is, see now there's a lot of things I think are really cool about that. There were seven, and so if four have already been happened, I, can, I know the other three are going to happen. It's just a matter of when now, right? And what season are we in between four and five is harvest. And when you read the Bible, you, Jesus said, well, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, right? This is a harvest time. The reason Jesus isn't back yet is we're in a time of harvest. He's waiting for the end of the harvest, and we're called into the harvest, right? That's our mission and our purpose. We're trying to help as many people as we can come to know Jesus um, in this period of time as we rest in the grace of God until He comes and, and uh, sends back. And Remember, I've done a whole other teaching on that. It's only the Father knows when that time is. That Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And when that's ready, boom, he'll send them back. All right. So the very next one that's coming is trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets occurs at the end of the large harvest season at the end of the summer. Leviticus 23 and 24 say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you're to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blast." Things happen with trumpet sounds. Here's one. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, and our left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. That's one of the verses I normally put in the kids' nursery. Did you know that? No extra charge. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So trumpet sound. The trumpet sounds to signify the end of the harvest. There's other scriptures and it talks about at that point in time some will be working in the fields and some will go and some won't and some will respond to the trumpet because they hear it and some won't. What happens at trumpet sound and what Paul tells us happened there is that's when the church is caught up to Jesus. So that's pretty cool. And, and so that's what we're waiting on. 
folks. We're waiting on trumpet sound. We're just waiting on. And remember that other story I've told you, and if you haven't, you should go look it up online somewhere, where I talk about the, the wedding feast and how Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And when the, when the groom would come back for the bride on the way in, they would blow the shofar to kind of, it was going to be a surprise. They wouldn't tell him exactly when. It was kind of a surprise, but they would also let him know with the shofar that they were coming so things could happen. That's what's going to happen with us. There's going to be trumpet sound. It may not sound like that. But anyway, maybe it's bum, ba, da, ba. I don't know. Uh, just, just guessing. When, uh, but when it happens, you will know. And we're going. And, the, and, and, and it says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are still alive, we get caught up in. You ever read that? You ever think about that? I think about that sometimes. After that, we are still alive, are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's going to be pretty cool. So, and so it would be with the Lord forever. So we're, we're waiting on trumpet sound. Now we're busy. We have harvest to do until it happens. And, we, you know, we're supposed to stay busy with purpose and mission. But that's the next one that happens um, is trumpets. Shortly after that is atonement. Now, Leviticus 23, 27. The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Verse 32, it's a Sabbath of rest for you. You must deny yourselves from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you're to observe a Sabbath. Now, here's, here's conjecture on my part. So, and it's okay. You just, I'm just going to toss it out there. So, you know, when the church goes to be with Jesus is much debated among the church. And... Um, it's, it's debated over a, a seven-year little run of tribulation. And so some people think the church goes out before that seven-year period of time. Some people think they go out halfway through that period of time. Sometimes people think they go out at the end of that seven-year period. It's when the church gets caught up. But there's going to be this great tribulation at the end, is what they think. And um, I kind of teasingly tell people when they ask me where I'm at with that, I say, well, you get to go wherever you believe. Um, which upsets most people. <laughs> but when I get serious, because of how I feel about the feasts and because of what I'm about to read you, my thought would be that it's according to this feast pattern that right at trumpets, the believers just got to go be with Jesus. And that's probably at the beginning of that seven-year time. I hope it is because I'd rather skip that trip time personally. I don't know about you, but I, I could do without it. I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll see us through it. If we've got to deal with it, he'll deal with it. But, but anyway, because so, here's what happens now. Because atonement, see, our atonement's in Christ. So we, we, we don't, this one's, we got this one already. I mean, we're already at one meant, right? We've talked about that. So he's already done that for us. But there's people who still need, are going to need to have it happen. And here's who it is. Zechariah 13.1. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Zechariah 13, 6. If someone asks him, what are these wounds on your body? He will answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. So prophetically, what it looks like is, is the church gets caught up. And during this period of time... Um, that there will be people here who were not believers at that time, but who have opportunities to still repent um, before the end of that seven-year process. 
um, when he comes back completely. Now, we're caught up to him. He hasn't come back. When he comes back, that's the end of that. But there's a season, and it looks like the people of Israel, uh, along with everybody else, have a shot at coming to the Lord. Paul said in Romans eleven twenty six, 26, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. So it's, there's an opportunity for those who have rejected the Messiah to still accept him in this seven-year period. It's not, it's not the final time. When, when we're caught up to him, I, I don't believe he's come back. I think there's this period of time. That's great debate stuff, and you, you may not agree with me, and that's okay. I mean, that's not... Remember, what really matters is the good news, and we're going to stick to that, okay? Everything else can be kind of discussed as we go and leave to the Holy Spirit. But the way the feasts are laid out, atonement makes more sense to me for the people that are left, because we already have our atonement. And then finally, tabernacles. Verse 34. Say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts seven days, 42, 43, live in booths for seven days. All native-born Israelites who live in booths, so your descendants will know. I had the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ezekiel says this about that. Chapter 37, Ezekiel 37, 26. 27, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so, you know, that's what we're waiting for when um, tabernacles, that would be the one that gets us all situated back when, when Jesus comes and sets everything right and everything is recreated, right? New, new heaven, new earth. You know, right? This all gets redone, right? I mean, this, it's going to be really cool. It's cool now. Think about it perfect like it was in the beginning and whoop, it's redone, all right? And, and then and he'll be here with us. And we'll experiencing him the way they did in the very beginning, um, which would be fascinating. So those feasts all point to that on the way up. It's a wonderful prophetic picture of um, what's going to happen and what has happened. And our, our great hope is that there's seven. And because we can see clearly the four have been fulfilled, we just know the other three are going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And the next one, I get excited about that because the next one is trumpets. Every now and again, I just kind of go... Start listening really hard. You ever have one of those days? This, this would be a great day for a trumpet. Come on. But if not, we got stuff to do. So anyway, that's uh, where we're at. We'll pick up more next week. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Come and see us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. Prayer page is there. And we will see you soon.